Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a Photog adventure of your own. Hey guys, welcome to the Photog Adventures podcast. This is episode 106. And uh, today we're here with Derek Sturman. And uh, Aaron is actually sick. And so you get to hear me twice in a row now as he was away last time and now this time for actually for our patrons heard me twice in a row, I guess. So for you guys that are regular list, uh, podcast listeners, um, Aaron has a flu today. He will not be participating. Um, he's at home taking it easy. And Eric and I are here outside of the pho restaurant and we are just chilling in the parking lot in his car. And uh, we're just going to have a little interview and talk to him and see what things are he's been up to lately. Hey, uh, Derek, how's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. How are you? Good. So, um, I found you on Instagram, and you have roughly thirty six thousand like followers, which is huge because you know we're like two thousand <laughs> for our own Instagram feed, and uh, we feel like we got to the party like way late, right? I'm just curious, when did you start uh, using Instagram, and uh, and when did you start like getting into photography? Oh man, well uh, I got into photography actually kind of by coincidence. I started out doing video. Okay. And I, I was just doing video in high school. That's like just, you too. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Just doing video for fun. Okay. And uh, I started on Instagram um, n- never really thinking I'd, I'd post photography to okay. Instagram. I just posted a couple photos thinking some friends would, would see them. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It kind of, it was almost as a joke. Me and my friends were joking around. There was a girl that um, in our, in our graduated in our high school classes, really popular. Like, man, if we could, if we could get as many likes on our post as her. Just, oh, just kind of right. like kind of a joke, you yeah, know, just yeah. some friends and yeah. um, kind of got into it. And that's kind of when I discovered uh, Michael Shane Bloom. Mm, and okay. uh, I started getting into long exposure photography, doing video. I, I found out about long exposure photography oh, and yeah, tested yeah, it out yeah. and uh, discovered Michael Shane Bloom. Um, saw some of his images and I was hooked. Okay. That, was, that was it. I had to do that. So. Okay. And so you, you said you graduated about three years ago? Yep. yep. Okay. Graduated in 2015. Okay. And did you start doing, uh, so you started doing video first. Did you start doing photography during the video or is it kind of like a transition from video to photography? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was more of a transition. I uh, I bought my first camera. It was a Canon T5i. Okay. And uh, I bought T3 it just eyes. for, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. so you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Great cameras. I mean, they yeah. really are. Yeah. Still, even now, for professional stuff, you could probably get away with it. Right, right. And uh, I bought that to do just, you know, just YouTube videos, just little little videos to my friend, just dumb videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh done that been there done that oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's how it all starts okay <laughs> okay you get hooked and uh we we just wanted to make dumb youtube videos and i i kind of discovered long exposure photography um experimentally i'd never done any photography in the past i didn't even understand the difference between shutter speed and aperture right i only right. understood video right so like you know um frames per second and video you know the technicalities of video yeah and, yeah uh, kind of experimented with long exposure photography and i still remember the first photo i ever got of the night sky is really kind of what got me into photography over video okay, okay we were camping and i just decided well maybe if i set my camera you know like 30 second exposure 
I think that camera maxed at like 1600 ISO. Mm, somewhere okay. in there well, it didn't go very high yeah yeah and uh but 1630 seconds you should get something you yeah know? get something decent and yeah. i think that was the 18 to 55 like right, standard lens right. like stop down to 3.5 it's like maybe if i do a 30 second exposure i just set it on the ground facing upwards you know and oh okay, okay. i, I kind of thought i might get a couple white dots right on my image right and i by coincidence the milky way was arching overhead and oh, I, I wow. got a piece of the Milky Way, and then it, it was blurry. It was a terrible image. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was hooked. That was that was it. It was just it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, spent quite a few weekends just going out doing the same thing, shooting the stars. Yeah. Was it mostly something you did on your own, or would you find buddies to go with you to do it? I, none of my friends really ever got into it the way I did. Okay. It almost separated me from my friends more than you know. I eventually right, have right. gained new friends now, but right, um, right. I had one specific friend we would go out. It was it was a friend that I did video with, and I'd kind of drag him along to do this this long exposure photography of the stars. And he thought okay. it was cool, but he wanted to, to do more video stuff. And oh, I see. Um, so it was it kind of started out that way, and then he kind of got sick of me wanting to stay up all night, go to these weird places in the middle of nowhere just to take pictures of the stars. Yeah. So I, I for a long time, for about a year and a half, it was just me. Wow. Just alone. So. Okay. And so I think you and Aaron have a lot in common then because uh, that's how that's how he would do. I mean, before he had his camera, he would take his uh, his uh, telescope out, you know, and not necessarily focus on landscapes, but the sky, you know, and he'd go to a dark site. And he'd... So he's the one that kind of introduced me to that. I mean, I didn't know. I never shot the Milky Way before until he invited a, invited anybody to come join him, you know, that one day. And uh, so like I was, so, saying, I was starting the story in the restaurant, but I decided to stop. <laughs> because I didn't want to <laughs> talk too much about stuff because I want to save it for the podcast. And so um, <clears throat> when we first went out, it was late March. And this is like a couple years ago, maybe maybe close to three years now. And uh, it'll be three years ago this spring coming up. So it was 14 degrees and we oh, parked in the snow. We almost got stuck. We got like this icy snow, you know, that had like gotten really hard. And uh, so we go out there. And we're freezing our butts off and we start shooting and I had a 24 millimeter F 3.5, like uh, tilt shift, you know, cause that's the widest that I had at yeah. the time. Cause I had, cause like I, like I told you, I had my camera stolen before and I was buying new lenses and I'd only bought like a couple of them, but I knew I wanted to try it tilt shift. I wanted to try that and I got my macro lens and then I was like kind of hunting around for my next lens after that. And, uh, so I used that 24 millimeter shot the Milky way and I was just like, I looked at the back of my screen. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, this is insane. I know that feeling. That's, and then that's we were out there hooked. for three hours in the cold. <laughs> like, my toes were, like, literally, like, frozen. And so we went back in the car. Like, we, I left the car running the whole time, just in idle, keeping the car warm. So we jumped in, and it literally took, like, a half an hour for my toes to, like, defrost. <laughs> and so, and then once they defrosted, I could, like, they stopped hurting. <laughs> then I was just like, okay, let's go back out and shoot some more. And um, And he's like, he's like, yeah, so... And on the way back, there was that's, that's when we formulated, like, okay, we need to do this, like, at least once a month and stuff like that. And, like, yeah. And then we're like, hey, we can record our outings. You know, every time we go out, we can record it, make a YouTube channel. And this is, that's the formation of the, you know. So all the guys, you know, if you guys listen to podcasts from day one, you guys know the story. But um, Derek's never heard it, so that's why I'm going to revisit it. And eh, it's been a couple of years, so maybe there's some new people that haven't heard it. So that's kind of like the beginning of Photog Adventures. That's how we that's how we got the started and sort of hanging out. Um, and so... Having Derek here, I mean, I came across him on Instagram, 
And I was just like, dude, this kid is awesome. Like, I didn't even know if you, I didn't know if you're an old guy or a young guy, actually. <laughs> I get that a lot. A yeah. lot of people are confused when they meet me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like looking through your Facebook. I'm like, what does this guy look like? And then I saw a couple selfies. I'm like, okay, it's got to be him because nobody takes selfies of their friends and posts yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, he's a younger guy. Okay, cool. Because I'm look, I'm waiting in the restaurant. I'm like looking at people come in. I'm like, definitely not that Mexican guy that just walked by. Uh, <laughs> not that old guy. Okay. So, um, so yeah, and, and you never met me before. Yeah, right? it was so, interesting, yeah. So Derek has actually never listened to podcasts and never seen our YouTube videos, and so he's coming as like a total fresh, like <laughs> total fresh audience. I'm excited right? to have found it though. It's nice to know you guys are out there. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to start yeah. watching. And so um and so when I was coming across uh, looking at your information, I noticed on your website that you have a workshop coming up um next spring in Goblin Valley. And I noticed that that was at the beginning of is May. April, April. Yeah. So April, and ours is at the end of April, and so um, I want you guys to know that if you want to come to Goblin Valley and check it out, and if you can't make it at the end of April, like our workshop is, we want to recommend you uh, hitting up Derek and maybe visiting his workshop at the beginning of April if that if that time works better for you, uh, because Goblin Valley is amazing. And I read your description of it. And I just want you to kind of tell the audience, you know, your experience. Um, of Southern Utah when you're shooting photography, especially like the Goblin Valley area since you're doing a workshop there. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you've definitely picked a good location for your workshop. So <laughs> yeah, we know funny. we have to go there at least twice a year. Oh yeah, yeah. That place is incredible. I mean, I kind of, I stumbled across Goblin Valley. It's actually a funny story. I okay. was, um, uh, raised LDS. And so I was in a scout group and we visited, okay. um, yeah, Goblin scouts, Valley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always, always how you find out there. about these yeah, places. Yeah. And I, I have never been to Southern Utah until I was 16 years old with a scout group going down, or young men's or scout group okay. going down there. But you were born and raised and in, in, Utah, in Utah. Yeah, I'm from we're Provo like, area. More so. like central Utah here, yeah. central northern here. Southern Utah is totally different. Yeah, and for some right. reason my whole life, you know, I mean, I'd been to like Moab once when I was really young. And it's okay. amazing to me, my whole life I've lived in this area and I've never explored southern Utah. I mean, right. my family just never went down there. It's and crazy to think that. You're like, what are you guys thinking? I know, it's just you crazy. Know? I had no idea. and. The whole area has been a, a mystery to me. Like the last two years, everything is new. Zion is oh, new. Bryce is new. Nice. All that stuff is new. So it's been yeah. kind of fun and kind of surprising. Like how come I didn't know about all this? But I remember visiting Goblin Valley with that scout group. And I, I was never very prepared <laughs> when I was in scouts. For some reason, I was always the guy that never brought the sleeping bag, never brought any pillows, never brought oh. any <laughs> extra clothes. Just for some reason, that was always me. And this trip was nasty. I mean, it was awful. It was rough. Um, we went down in July, you know, and it's like oh, 80 degrees in the okay. day down there. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't bring any sleeping gear. I didn't bring anything. And of course it's the desert. So it's cold at night as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I distinctly remember thinking I will never come here again. <laughs> I, I remember thinking this is the last place I will ever go ever again in my life. And I've probably been there a hundred times since. Yeah. <laughs> I go there way too often now. Cause now when you're, that's the funny thing about being prepared, right? I mean, when you're prepared for certain things, you can have such a better experience. Oh yeah. And we're constantly going over that with our audience too. I mean, we have videos about it. We have podcasts about it and blog posts about it that you know wear the right gear have the right shoes have the right socks have the right base layers and all that stuff because especially new night photography which a lot of our audience is keyed into they want to do um it gets cold at night and it gets oh, yeah it's scary and uh you know sometimes you want to bring a firearm to some of these places because you could have wild animals trying to kill you you know depending on where you go 
And at night, like that's their time when they hunt, right? So it's like you don't want to be out in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah, it's that extra psychological effect too, just yeah. being in these weird places and yeah. not alone. Have a especially. knife and have a gun or something. So if something attacks you, you can protect you can protect yourself. <laughs> and uh, and so that's why I've been I, I've been kind of thinking about that more and more, especially because Aaron and I usually always go together. But when we first started, he would always have these stories about how we'd go out alone, and then he'd hear like howling or something. He'd be like. Oh crap! I gotta go. You know, like this is <laughs> freaking me out. You know, just start a, a bigfoot chasing yeah. section of this. Uh, yeah, it might be, or even just recordings of uh, weird events. I mean, I've never had a problem with wildlife in any of these places, but I have run into some weird people. Okay, oddly enough, uh, I did run into. I don't know if you're familiar with Tibble Fork area. Tibble Fork in American Fork Canyon. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't. The been only there, real story it. I have that might horrify people shooting at night is uh, I was up there. In December, I drove up okay. there and deliberately buried myself in the snow. There's a blizzard coming in. Oh, wow. So I was like, I'm, I wanted to get Tibble Fork Reservoir with fresh snow, but people like to sled that area. Oh, I can't. So, okay, you know, okay. in order to get the fresh snow, I had to be there Super that early. morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I drove up there and I the storm came in about 9 p.m. and I was completely buried. By like midnight, I was completely buried and there's no way i was getting out until the plow came in oh wow so i'm just thinking no this is perfect for me because i get the shot i want it's, it's going to be a little rough getting back out yeah maybe not the best decision looking back right but, right uh, did I, you sleep in your car did you just sustain your car the whole yeah, time yeah yeah just okay. you know bed in the back and a zero degree sleeping bag okay okay and uh i don't remember seeing another car after like maybe 8 p.m like everybody cleared out knowing the storm was coming. right right and about two in the morning i'm out taking photos of the stars the, the storm was just starting to clear. It started to clear about one thirty two. Okay, And uh, out of nowhere, this guy just comes marching from the other side. If you're familiar with Tibble Fork, there's, there's a road that goes one way okay. to the reservoir and turns around. Okay. And comes back down. There's no... Well, from the far side of the reservoir where the road does not go, a guy was walking. And, I, you know, I was concerned for this guy if he's like, okay, what? if he's yeah. lost. And uh, I shine my flashlight over at him, and I, the guy was just completely incoherent. To my existence. I mean, the flashlight didn't seem to phase him. Uh, I kind of yelled out to him a couple times to make sure he was okay, but he just kind of, just kind of wandered on and uh, Weird. he kind of came towards me. He he didn't really seem to be coming towards me, but just my direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those flashlights you can you can focus. So I kind of shine this flashlight at this guy to see if he's coherent, if he's okay. Just no response. And I'm I'm yelling. I'm hey, are you okay? Like, what are you doing? Do you need a ride? Are you stranded? Just no response at all. Weird. Um, he finally gets to a point where he's, you know, n- not not far away from me at all anymore, and I'm a little creeped out. And I kind of back up and I start to wield my tri- my tripod like it's, you know, a spear or, <laughs> or a bat, a little bit concerned about what this yeah. guy might be doing. Finally, he kind of comes to a halt, like, in his tracks and kind of realizes, you know, I'm, I'm like, kind of sees I'm getting ready to fight. I don't know, like, what, what I might have to do to this guy because yeah. I don't know what he's doing. And he just kind of stops in his tracks. I'm like, man, are you okay? Like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hiking. I'm just, I'm just hiking. He probably said that three or four times, uh, and I, I didn't know what to say. I felt bad huh. um, for being so defensive, but I was yeah. so creeped out about it. And he eventually just kind of turned another direction and started walking again. And weird. I didn't sleep very good that night, but <laughs> so all the all the scary situations I've had have been more with weird people in these places so far. I haven't run into any wild animals or anything yet yeah and, and we haven't really either like which is kind of funny because we'd go to like places like uh between salt lake city and park city there's garsman pass road and that's not a maintained road once it once it hits winter time they don't plow it there you know and uh but when you're going there there's a there's a lake over there called blood's lake 
And Aaron and I went there for a sunrise once, and I mean, we saw all kinds of like footprints that weren't dogs. You know what I mean? They're probably like cougar prints or something. And uh, and uh, we saw deer prints and other things and all this wildlife, like evidence of wildlife, but we haven't actually like seen it. Except for like the deers yeah. that like hit the cars every once in a while. You know, of course that happens when you're going out a lot, but um, my car's been hit like three times. <laughs> no. <laughs> By deer. <laughs> like we gone like we went to Strawberry Reservoir one day to shoot uh at night and then we came back and that morning a deer hit the car. Oh yeah. That's and uh so that's just living in Utah, driving the mountains, you're gonna get that. But uh but not like a whole lot of like interaction, you know? With like, the wildlife. Yeah. Yeah. It's kinda of funny how you you'd think like like I've got friends that go out and shoot wildlife, like Daniel Linhart's a friend of ours and he just lives in West Valley and he does air conditioning and he shoots wildlife all the time because he's got a nice like 150 to 600 millimeter lens and he's got amazing feet of like birds and other animals and stuff and they just look great and i'm like dude where are you seeing all these like, yeah. he maybe he knows the spots where they go to because when we go out we're like we hardly see birds we hardly see other, but when we're but when you're camping out overnight and you know there's wildlife out there it's kind of it kind of freaks yeah. out a little bit <laughs> when you're sitting in like a hammock and you're all alone you're like Anything to walk up to this hammock and start biting me, you know? Like, <laughs> I distinctly remember my first night in the Wind River Range. I don't know if you've been in that area. No, I haven't. Uh, man, I found out about that through Alex Noriega. Okay. I'm familiar with his work. He's a really yeah, awesome yeah. photographer. I am familiar um, with him, yeah. Saw some of his images, and I was unaware. I mean, I've been to the Tetons quite yeah. a few times. So Wind, had, Wind River's in I, uh, 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 It's in geez, the Wyoming, Wyoming. area. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of between... Salt Lake and um, the Tetons. Okay. Okay. So it's it's really hard to access. Like it's backpacking. There's no road. It is. It's like an Indian reservation. So, they made a movie about that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. Just recently. Yeah. Okay. And we went up there, and I was really unfamiliar with the terrain, and I didn't know if there were there were signs everywhere though that said it was you know uh, high like bear population. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd get into people's food a lot, and we were smart enough to take a pizza. <laughs> Uh, from town right up to our camping site and uh, at the time w- there were no trees to hammock at the place where we were parked okay, okay. and we were going to start backpacking the next day but we basically just ate our pizza on a tarp right there on the ground and slept on that tarp and I, I didn't sleep the whole night I don't know if you've ever had sleep paralysis before but I <laughs> oh I have feel like I had sleep paralysis several times throughout the night thinking a bear was uh it's coming into the campsite. Yeah, man, especially with so. a pizza in the middle of the guys. That's just, yeah, a really, really dumb thing to do. But <laughs> it, it's it's funny because often when we go out and and have to sleep out somewhere, we've devised all kinds of crazy ways of staying in the car. Like we've gotten to the point now where we have this like six inch foam memory foam type of stuff that we we rent like a Ford F one fifty and we literally throw this foam in the back, and now it's like sleeping on like a real bed. And yeah. that's been like the nicest <laughs> setup we've had so far. Um, that's game changing. It is. It is. Because when right. you have a nice sleeping bag and then you can actually sit in like a foam like mattress type of thing in the back of the bed. That's like been the best so far. Oh, yeah. And that's certainly oh, something that we did like, uh, you know, last year we started doing that. So I'll be honest. One of the main reasons why you know, I just I set up a, a bed in the back of the car. I'll mm-hmm. find an area where they'll let me, whether it's BLM land. I mean, right, even Zion right. National Park. Right outside, there's that BLM land. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It's just so much safer feeling when yes. you're alone. I just do that. <laughs> yeah. That's the main reason. I mean, it's it's cheap, but it's uh, it just feels safer, and you're protected from the weather. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, the and yeah, and the back of the truck only works on, like, clear nights, which is normally what we do. We I mean, we hunt for clear nights in the summertime because we want to do astrophotography. And so usually weather's not a problem. Um, when it has been, and we've rented other things like SUVs and stuff, it's funny because, you know, when you pile up 
your stuff, like the mattress and stuff like that, or air mattress or whatever we have that we're sleeping on. And we've done air mattresses, and those are horrible because as soon as someone moves, the other guy gets oh, bounced yeah. around. And, and we're always, like, sleeping, like, next to each other, like, all the time because we're going out together all the time. And um, it just gets so hot and, like, humid and foggy yeah. inside the car. You know? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. if someone's going to drive by and think there's a couple making out in here, but it's like, just a couple of dudes <laughs> couple sleeping, guys. you know? Yeah. Just yeah, a couple man. photographers. Me and Derek Culver just did a trip to White Pocket area. Oh, White yeah. Pocket in the Vermilion Wilderness. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Man, we took his truck back in there, and it it was really, like, humid weather mm-hmm. for that area. It just rained a bunch. And we took his truck, and we used a big air mattress, and we, we like, draped a tarp over the bed of his truck to try and oh, keep okay. it, like, trap heat. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was a terrible decision. Like, humidity accumulated and, like, stuck condensation, like, on the inside of the, oh, the I tarp. Oh, I bet, yeah. It was, like, waking up. It was like a trap. <laughs> like, you couldn't move without getting soaked. Yeah, as soon as you so, touch anything, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, pours on you. Yeah, soaking wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful. We've had something similar, but actually out in the mud flats. So, um, about it was like one of our really big adventures when we first started doing uh, astrophotography. We met up with these guys that actually send um, air balloons, like hot air balloons, not hot air balloons, but helium balloons up into the space, like uh, weather balloons. Whoa! And so they got in touch with us, and we—I don't know how we got in contact with them, but we started talking. And they're—they're they're just based in uh, like West Valley area and Salt Lake area, and. Uh, they said, yeah, if you guys want to bring like a GoPro or something, you can put it in our little box and we can send it up. And we're like, sweet. So we met with them and did this whole thing. We launched it. And there's a whole video on YouTube about it. It's like one of our first videos we did. And um, and we lost this lunchbox that they put on this balloon because it had GPS and everything. But like once it once it like got below like 10,000 feet or something like that, like a mountain range, like cut off the signal to like the antenna because it was like bouncing off like some radio antenna on the mountainside but like it fell in the mud flats just north of the, the salt lake itself and uh we had no idea what it was and so we had like an approximation of where it could be we could, we had like wind speed and all the direction and everything it was going and so we're like trying to extrapolate all this information okay okay it could be in this area here we did all this math oh and all this gosh. estimation and we went back like the next weekend to try to find it and to no avail we didn't find it until we went back the third time and uh, when we were camping out there uh, the third the third time we were there, we had his dad's Can-Am, so we could actually go out there instead of just walking. Because we thought we'd just walk out and find it. It was like needle in the haystack, man. It was insane. <laughs> and it was just like muddy. And, uh, I'm impressed. Did you find it eventually? We did. That's we, impressive. At the last-ditch effort, we actually went back, and you can see it in the video, too. We went back at the very last hours. Like, it was like golden hours just starting. We're like, do we have like an hour and a half before the sun sets? Like, let's just go back to, this, to the exact location that the GPS, like, sent its signal. And we just go straight there and then kind of fan out. Maybe we can find it. Maybe it's not too far. And so we did that. And sure enough, it was like right there where it said it was. And we thought maybe it would be like, <laughs> we thought maybe like 100 yards or 1,000 yards away or whatever in this direction. Nope, it was like pretty much right where it said it was. And we're like, dang it, we could have just gone straight there last time. But it was like, but it was like a mile in from the road, though, into the mud flats. It was like yeah, literally nothing. So having the Can-Am got all mudded up. We had to demud it one time. And it was just, oh, it was a big adventure. We went back three different weekends. And our wives were just like, you guys are insane. We're like, we got to find it. It's like $500 worth of stuff is in that box. You know, like we got to go get it. And so, and plus the footage. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I so, avoid that area. The salt flats and the mud areas of Salt Lake. I mean, <laughs> I have a bad story actually about the salt flats. Trying the salt to, flats are awesome. But what, what happened to you? I, uh, I used to drive a really small Saturn Ion. Okay. Back in the days, the car I had through high school and yeah, um, yeah, 
when I was getting into astrophotography, I found out about the salt flats and thought, I'm going to go out there and, and photograph the dark sky area. I was yeah. actually trying to find the area where they filmed the third Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, yeah, Somewhere yeah. out there they yeah. filmed yeah. Um, a section of that movie. And so I was at the visit the Bonneville Salt Flats Visitor Center area, the, like, okay. the overlook. Yeah. And um, there was a guy there with a truck that offered to guide me out. He knew where that area was. Okay. And so he's like, yeah, just follow me out. Uh, I kind of, he was going pretty fast. <laughs> he's going way faster than I wanted to. And it had just rained, so it was, it was a little uh, slick out okay. on the salt flats. Yeah. Maybe two miles in, I punctured the salt flats on my front left tire. Like, my driver's side front really? tire punctured the salt. And so I got out to see what, it was just completely like, a, it just stabbed right into the salt. It was the strangest thing ever. And I spent oh, maybe three hours trying to get traction and get back out. So it sunk in, so so it broke the salt layer and went to yeah, the mud? Yeah, like completely punctured through. And I mean, I don't even know if it was hitting anything below but it was just like, like a, it. it was just empty underneath. Yeah, it, it was like the. It's like when you stab a styrofoam cup is the oh, only way. Weird. It just completely caked the the tire, like perfectly encased it. I've never had that happen before. And so after like revving quite a bit and trying to get traction, you know, I stuffed blankets and stuff down in there, stuff I had in my trunk. No way. And eventually, this water started to seep up from that hole and kind of like engulf the tire. Yeah. So that I couldn't see or stuff anything down into it. And so, I mean, maybe for about an hour or two, I kind of, I stepped away and I started looking for friends that could drive a truck out and tow me, you know, I'd pay them for gas. Right. They could pull me out. During that time period, the rest of the salt around the front end of my car and the other tire, like dissolved away into this big puddle. And when I turned back around, the front end of my car had tipped and the two back tires were now off the ground. And the car was sinking into no way. water. Yeah, like, like <laughs> the driver's side of my car was completely full of water up to like the steering wheel was about to be no submerged. Way. Yeah, it was bad. Really? So I'm freaking out. It was happening fast. I was shocked at how fast it was happening. Damn. I'm thinking, I don't know where I am. You know, like, I don't, I kind of know what direction yeah, I like, came from. Yeah, like how do you from, tell people, but, right? Like, because this, yeah. I mean, you're talking, we're talking like 14 square miles, right? I'm yeah, like this just huge area. Yeah. So I don't know what to do. So I have all uh, I have uh, all state in AAA, and so I call both of them to see what they suggest they do at this point. And um, AAA basically, uh, I've had a great experience with them so far, but they basically said we don't tow anything that's not on the road. <laughs> and right. Being on the salt flats is yeah. definitely not considered a road. Yeah. Um, but they recommended a company called Salt Flats Towing, and I had to call them. <laughs> I mean, I think they charge like eight hundred bucks just to just to set up Holy an appointment with cow. them, just to come out. So it was ex- it was expensive, and uh, I, I ended up having to call nine one one to get my GPS coordinates, just to figure out. For some reason, I I didn't have any data. I just had cell service oh, at the time. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, really, really bad service at that. So I ended up having to call nine one one to get my GPS coordinates to send them to the towing yeah, company. Yeah. The guy came and told me out. I just he when he finally got the car out. I mean, the car was almost half into this hole. That is of water, nuts. completely submerged in water, and he just. Did you get a picture of that? I think I have a picture of the Milky Way over the top of it. <laughs> oddly enough, <laughs> I, I went out there to take pictures of the that Milky Way. That is awesome. I called my friend who has a truck, and I asked him what I should do, and he said, "Well, at least get a picture of it. It's the only thing you can do." Yeah, like, honestly, I haven't posted it. It's just so so depressing. <laughs> but the uh, the tow truck driver told me he's never seen anything like that before, which made me feel really good. Yeah, <laughs> made me feel you know like. Oh man, that's uh, of course my luck. I'd be the one person to sink my car in the salt flats. Oh my gosh, but I've never gone that's back. That's nuts. <laughs> so I have never. I mean, I just imagine because every time we've been out the salt flats, we just come right off that main road and just drive onto the flats, 
and uh, it's where they do the speed trials. And I just imagine yeah. there's like a mile of salt below me. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's got to be. A you lot must of have salt been further there. north or something where the mud and the salt kind of mix. Yeah. Because we've never had anything. It just feels so solid. You know, like I get out there and I've hit it with my hand, boom, boom, but I just, there's no echo or nothing. It's just solid ground, you know, and uh, maybe we're kind of wise and, just, and kind of naive at the same time thinking like, hey, if we just drive where they drive the speed trials, it should be fine, right? Yeah, I assume you're probably okay. I mean, the, the tow truck driver even told me that I must have found, he, he was making jokes with me the whole ride back. He found the only sinkhole in the yeah, whole place? Yeah, the only underground pool of water in the whole salt flats, but just deep enough for the car to sink in. That is and, just uh, crazy. Fill the front cab full of water. So, I mean, the, the car was totaled. Salt water right. ruined the engine. But. Yeah. I can imagine how bad <laughs> that would be because it's... I mean, this is not just like sea, sea water. This yeah, is like, like dead sea. Water, this yeah. is like actual... like it, The salt water is so thick that it's like... it's like I don't even know how to describe it. Like, you put your finger in the water and you take it out and it, it'll instantly crystallize yeah. once it dries. Yeah. You know? It was bad. I mean, I... Oh, man. When he pulled it out, he wanted me to try and start it up and drive it back. And it, the whole and inside like, really? of the car was just like crusted <laughs> over. Yeah, it, it was really, really bad. Of course, it didn't even start. You know, there was right. so many problems with it after that. But Of course, it wouldn't start. I mean, you had the whole intake was full of salt yeah, water. Yeah, salt water, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you, I mean, honestly, like, even if you, like, dried the whole thing out and, like, waited a week, you probably wouldn't oh, yeah, be able no, to start it, yeah. you know. No, I remember even trying to, to cash in on it as a... Just like junk it. You yeah. Know? And then nobody wanted it. Because no. <laughs> like the engine's it. toast. So like, yeah, there's no value Everything, everything here, man. in it is ruined. The only thing worth anything is the interior, but it was destroyed by salt water. So. Oh my gosh. That is nuts. That's the first time I've ever heard anything like yeah. that before. Yeah. So like I refuse to go out there and drive on the salt flats. Oh, like, that is funny. Ever since then, it's just kind of, man, I want good photos of the salt flats, but I'd rather go to Badwater Basin just because of that experience. Yeah. You know, Badwater is pretty awesome, but it's so much further away. Yeah. <laughs> in Death Valley. Um, so maybe we should take you out with us th- sometime then because we have maybe. really good luck out there. I mean, the <laughs> yeah, last that... time we went out there, we got a shot of the reflection. I mean, we found the water. So the water pools up towards the road, right? As you go, like, um, so from the salt flats, you got maybe, I want to say like maybe 3000 yards between like the freeway and where the, um, where that road is. And, uh, and so you've got like this big open area between the road and the actual salt flats. And there's this, the water pools up quite a bit, um, in a certain area. And when we went out last, was that last June? I want to say, um, the Mookie was pretty high. We tried to get it like an arching pano and, um, and I think it wasn't, I think it was June. And, uh, we went out there and we found the water that was like, it was literally like, I'm talking like a quarter inch because it was so flat. You just walk out there, and it didn't even go above the soles of my shoes. I think I might even wore these shoes. Oh, yeah. And it went right up to here to, like, mirror, the, though. Yeah, and so you get that perfect mirror. I mean, as we were looking down, I could see the stars, like, in the reflection. And it was so bright because it's such a it's, – it's a nice dark area. Even though there's light pollution from Salt Lake and light pollution from Wendover, um, still looking down and looking up and seeing the Milky Way and seeing the stars and the reflection, I'm like, this is insane. It felt like a sci-fi movie set. I mean, it was just incredible. And it was like perfectly still. There was no wind. Because sometimes there's a lot of wind there, too. Yeah. It gets really windy there. and uh, But we got this reflection shot of us in the, with the Milky Way. And it was just like, it was unbelievable. I mean, we had like the best night there. And it's just like, man, this is amazing. So we, we've had discussions about doing workshops there at the Salt Flats. Because it's one of those places that even like people in Spain know about it. You know, they're like, yeah. Salt Flats, yeah, yeah, I want to go there, you know. Um so, yeah, we should totally take you out there sometime. Because, yeah, I'd be uh, interested in checking it out, especially to see a reflection, especially, oh, you know, yeah. 
without my car sinking, it'd be nice to yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You can enjoy the water without having, yeah, the, without the, having to worry about the post-traumatic tr- yeah. stress syndrome from that uh, <laughs> from that event. <laughs> you might actually get triggered while you're out there, but hopefully you can deal with it. Oh yeah, no, it should be fine. <laughs> I, I just you know, I, I, ever since then, for some reason, I I just have no interest in going out there. Oh my gosh, that kills me. Um, so what is, what are some places you've been to like recently and like, what are some of your most favorite places? Oh man, that's a good question. Ah, oh, there's a lot. I mean, one of the places I've want, I've been wanting to visit ever since I got into landscape photography is, um, Oregon area. Okay. Oregon, yeah. Washington, you know, Spirit Falls, Panther Creek Falls. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just barely made it out there this June for the first time ever. Okay. And, and uh, what places did you hit up when you were there? I did Spirit Falls. I did Panther Creek Falls. I went into Portland and I saw the Japanese maple garden okay. where that famous uh, yeah. maple tree is. Yeah. And then I did Falls Creek Falls. Okay. And that was all I had time for the Okay, time. so you went for waterfalls. When we go there, we go to the coast. We haven't done any water, waterfalls yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. And so um, we want to go next time because we've done the coast like three or four times now. And we're just like, yeah, let's, you know, we wanted to hit some waterfalls last time we were there. We were just there like a couple weeks ago. and But we just didn't make it out to any falls. And so um, Rudy Serrano is one of our... Uh, followers and he just posted something that was a really cool falls so we're like you know texting him on messenger just like hey where was that waterfall at we want to get to see if we can get a picture of that um and so i think we're going to line that up for probably next year to do some oh, waterfalls yeah. but the beach is just so there's just something so cool about the beach though the coast with those big rocks and the sea stacks and that's something i uh i was hoping to do at the time but i just time timeline wise i wasn't able to make it work this yeah. year i'm really hoping to make it back out there and i'm the waterfalls I've already photographed, like Spirit Falls and Panther Creek Falls. I'm going to go back, even without my camera, maybe. and just right, right. Those places are incredible. So how many and days were you there? I think I was there for, man, it was only like four or five days. I think okay. four nights and five days. Okay. That's a pretty good so, amount of time. But yeah. we, we, we try to spend like a whole entire week there, and even that's not enough. Yeah. And so really, uh, for you guys listening, if you guys want to go to the coast and, I mean, man, you've got to spend at least a week there. You oh, yeah. You guys block out a whole week. And just explore because it's almost endless. I mean, we've been to the coast several times. We still just get so excited to shoot the coast, even though we've done it. We've been there, done that. It's so different every time you go, weather-wise and everything. Because the tides are going to be different. New conditions every time. Yeah. The conditions yeah, are completely how, different uh, every time. Lone Pine, the Alabama Hills has been for me. I think I, yeah. I've gone three times this year, different times of the year. I went in March. Oh, wow. And it's a long ways away. It's a long yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just keep going back out there. I'll go back out there when there's snow on Lone Pine Peak and okay. Mount Whitney and then okay. go back when it's there's no snow and then go back like later in the year when it's cooler. Nice. That's another place that I just So that's one of your favorite old. spots. Oh yeah. Then? Place yeah. is insane. What about in Utah? What about locally? What are some spots that you really find uh that keep drawing you back? Oh man, people might be mad at me for, for using the name of some of these locations. Um I know I know here in Utah, I don't know how it is a lot of other places, but landscape wise a lot of photographers here are very sensitive about you know, some some locations. I know that's been an argument We've, for a while. Yeah, that's a discussion. So. That's an ongoing discussion that people. The thing is that people get, and we've had this discussion on our podcast before. And we've talked about it. I mean, Nick Page has announced that he's not going to share as many locations and stuff like that. And and in we even within our own group in our forums and stuff and on Facebook, we have discussions of you know, when it comes down to it, we feel very strongly that you don't have to give your GPS coordinate. Okay, yeah. you don't have to be like yeah. crazy about it and like you know, but telling people that you know uh x photo was taken in this area is not yeah really but also it. saying like oh it's three hours east of my house that's you know that's yeah that's stupid you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah. it's like and we've had we've had both you know we don't mind giving uh if someone asks personally you know 
then yeah, I'll send you my GB- GPS location. But as a group, we'll say, yeah, it was in this area. You know what I mean? Like this yeah, is yeah. like like Alabama, Alabama Hills, for instance. You can say that. I mean, that's like that's a large. You area. got like thirty, yeah, 30 square area. miles or yeah. something. You know, around that of like space. You know. But so that, of that actual rock structure that you just shot, that's really awesome. You know, you could give the GPS coordinates to that to somebody, but sharing that in a group is not necessary. Yeah. Know? I know one of the areas that I've been most surprised about, I, I totally understand protecting areas that can't handle a large population. Exactly. It's a I mean, there are a lot that, of areas, yeah, that yeah. will, I mean, not that people are terrible, but they're just, they're just areas that just can't handle the yeah. population. Yeah. Especially green areas. So a lot of the waterfalls yeah, yeah. that are lesser known, I, I won't publish those locations. But right. one of the ones I've, I kind of laugh about all the time is Factory Butte. Oh, yeah. In Utah. It's Everyone awesome. seems to be so afraid of sharing that location. I've even why? asked. It's amazing. Some, yeah. yeah. And, and the it's reason really why. Big. I, yeah, it's a huge area. The reason why I share with people is because, I, I mean, I, I feel like I could go out there with a machine gun mm-hmm. and no one would know the difference. I mean, that place is just so diverse and the right. rain, every time it rains, it just. It's reset. It's fresh again. Yeah. I think the main concern people have is there's a lot of uh, mountain bikers and, and motorcyclists. Sure. Yeah, because it's just that, BLM. People yeah, just go around and, and just drive, drive on that area. Whatever. But, I mean, there's a there's that OHV site. Mm-hmm. There's Swing Arm City is right next to it. So it's kind of it's kind of like a win-lose situation where it's like people are already doing that. Yeah. So if more people find out about it, there's an area for them to go. Right. But that's by far Goblin Valley Factory Butte, um, mainly just because... Not a lot of people have photographed it. It's yeah. compositionally like really easy to get a good image there. Mm-hmm. There's so much out there, and the dark skies are just unmatched. They you are. Just can't, you can't find that anywhere. Yeah, else. they really are. Um, and that's the place we normally go to because it's near Goblin Valley. If you're oh, going to yeah. be down there, you might as well swing by and hit Factory and Factory Butte. Um, there's a there's a big pillar near Factory Butte that we've that we've um, dubbed uh, Royce Bear Butte because uh, it, we just, I don't think there's a name for it, and he's it got a really the, cool mm-hmm. shot of it. It's on the east, east side, side yeah. yeah. And if you pull off the road next to like that weird like brick building that's uh, got a fence around it, on the left side of that road, if you're oh, heading east, okay. you yeah. pull over just past that around this mound, and you just hike out a little bit, and you can get a shot coming, looking south. Gotcha. And um, and then when you're south facing it, then you can see this uh, this broken off rock pillar that's next to like the cliff that's kind of part of all the same structure, but you can tell there's a big separation between the two. Gotcha. And so Royce got a really cool Milky Way of that, and that's one of the, one of the photos he shares in his ebook and uh, as an example of different things. And so um, we asked him about it one day, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, it's just right over here." So we went there and was like, "Yeah, hey, okay, cool. This is Royce Bear Butte, you know." So, um, so yeah, it's a cool area, and uh, that whole place. Yeah. Then and speaking of like going back to like sharing locations, um, there is a a small waterfall by you know near my house. It's like 10 minute drive from my house in, in the canyon. And uh, I haven't shared the specific location with that online. Um, I'll just put like it's in Cottonwood Heights because it technically is. Yeah. It's in the city limits. Um, but uh, but if you want to come with me and do photography, I'll take you there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have no you problem. can show people. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of places I've actually. It, it's kind of fun. There's there is a, a location that's been. Um, photographed by several well-known landscape photographers recently in death valley okay with some mud cracks and i'm not oh, gonna yeah 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 there's some people who are very sensitive about that joshua one. snow has a good one of the mud cracks yeah. and we try and we and we went out there looking kind of for that spot last time we were there uh and uh i know yeah. you're talking about yeah what's what's interesting is i spent it was one of michael shamebloom's and actually ted gore has a really really incredible oh, yeah, images yeah, yeah. there really really awesome yeah and a uh, huge fan of their work and i saw one of his images with these insane mud tiles and if you if you pay close enough attention i won't disclose the location because i know people are sensitive about it 
Um, but there are two locations in Death Valley where mud cracks occur, and you, you can tell because of the peaks in the distance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I the first time I saw Ted Gore's image was in, I think, 2016 okay. of the mud cracks. I think Michael Shainblum photographed his around that time. Okay. And they're both incredible images. Yeah. I spent quite a long time trying to find where the second set of mud cracks were. Oh, okay. And uh, the original mud cracks everyone photographs, you can tell because there's three distinct peaks in the okay. background that's where most people go yeah yeah i went i finally found that location and to my surprise it was not the location i'd seen in so many images interesting so so many other uh landscape photographers i think mark adamus actually has a shot okay in this other area but it was it was just interesting because i asked a few people and they were they were polite they basically just told me it's a sensitive area we don't want it to be blown up like mm-hmm. we don't want gps coordinates given out it it took me until this year about April of this year, so about two years of just searching to finally really? find it. And a lot of people would maybe be frustrated by that, but I almost it almost makes it more unique. It was it was mm. a really fun feeling of feeling like, oh, I finally found this place. Yeah, yeah. And I found it, the way I finally found it um, was there's a very distinct peak in his photo. Very distinct. You'd be hard to miss. I just started looking up mountain ranges in Death Valley. Oh, I see. Looking up the name, typing the name into Google and looking at Google Images. Finally found the Found the place. Okay. And uh, really, it's where really those mud cracks area. have like a good like double finger width, right? Like a good like yeah, couple yeah, inch they're really, gap. really deep. Yeah, mud yeah, cracks. yeah. And I mean, there there are lots of locations where you can find mud cracks in that area. Yeah, because we pulled over and found some last time, and yeah. it was cool. But there's it wasn't just a like very the ones, distinct area yeah. in some of these photos where there's mud cracks, and and the reason why I searched so hard for this specific place was multiple photographers had been there at different times. Like okay. Multiple okay. well-known photographers have been there at different times, and yeah. they all had very similar photos where the mud cracks were in the same spot the peak was in the same location mm. you're not exactly the same composition but right. very similar very yeah very similar and yeah. one of the things that really gave it away was there was um very distinctly a sand dune one oh. sand dune in the foreground so I, interesting i spent a long time looking for sand dunes and never found it yeah yeah uh, it turns out there's no there's no large dunes in that area but there is um that mountain range that interesting has one near it gives it away yeah yeah but just just another interesting thing about locations people are very sensitive about it as a matter of fact um i, I won't use names but i i spoke to another photographer who posted a photo of it and i said hey this is amazing it was a really amazing photo of that area mm-hmm. and i said this is incredible like i've been i've been meaning to get out to this spot for a while i just haven't made it yet and he was polite enough to tell me this is not the Badwater Basin is where most of the mud mm-hmm. cracks are. You know, yeah. They're in that large area. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you if you hike out and you look long enough, you might find them. But he he basically was polite enough to tell me it was not that area. It was somewhere else, mm-hmm. and I knew where it was. So I, but it is interesting how many people have been there, and it's still kind of a, a sensitive secret location. It is well, you know, because when you do landscape photography, and you start posting your stuff, and if you're new to it, you you soon realize that. There's a lot of fish in the sea, you know. Oh, what I mean? yeah. yeah, like landscape you can photography. Ruin the really fast. Yeah, I mean, there is an article written just last summer from the from the uh, the farmer that owns the field of uh, uh, sunflowers out in Canada, and he had seven thousand people yeah. come one one day in one day, out the flowers and they and... completely like ruined everything because yeah. everybody wanted to get a selfie and put it on Instagram and stuff, and it's like because it was like the most popular sunflower place. And I and I I like had to read the article twice because I'm like, there's no way, 
7,000 people came in one day. It's like, that's, that's insane. Like, how is it even possible? And yet it did. It happened. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I know. And yeah. so, you know, the media can blame Instagram. I can't, I don't really think it's Instagram's fault. I think it's a combination of things. Like, and oh, yeah. I've talked about that quite a few times before. Like it's the fact that everybody has a cell phone with data and you've got maps. I mean, have you ever been to um, fantasy Canyon? Yeah. Yeah. That's another really strange one. Most people okay. know about. So my question is, would you have ever found that place? Oh, yeah, no. Had you not have a phone with GPS? Of course not. No, no. Yeah. Because it's like, it's in the middle of this like flat mining area. Yeah. There's no way you'd ever like find doing like place. gas, natural gas yeah, or something some mining. Yeah. Some kind of oil mining. Yeah. Thing. And it's like, and it's like this tiny little patch, like as big as a football field in this huge area full miles and miles of nothing, you know? And there's this, yet this little tiny state park that's preserved. It's like the size of a football field. And it just yeah. has these really cool, like, you know. Little tiny rock formations. Yeah. And they're fragile rock formations, yeah. too. Yeah. And so um, so we've been out there. We got some shots of that. And it was really cool. But, man, there's some nasty green light from one of those lights from next oh, to yeah. the light. Did you, did you experience that? Yeah. We know? tried to shoot the Milky Way there. And we were really shocked yeah. by the light pollution. Yeah. I mean, and because the thing is only like, uh, I don't know, a quarter mile away. And yeah, the, it's the light, close. the light's so high and so bright. And it's casting a green light on everything and it's just nasty yeah and so i'm just thinking i'm just like okay next time we come here what's a way i can block that thing (laughs) you know i mean like can i get up can i get it like a ladder and like set like a a plank of wood in front of it and so it'll cast a shadow big enough to block it's like that might actually work right i can try it (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm thinking of ways of without like shooting the light out like how can i like minimize this light from being in the shot i know sadly there are a lot of places here in utah like that there's um some hot pots uh near fairview oh yeah yeah and i think they're they're private property but the guy has has created parking stalls and has a little donation box yeah and it would be a really awesome place they're really deep warm springs and Mm -hmm. they kind of have that prismatic spring look yeah yeah uh but sadly there's a large water meter not not far at all from mm. the hot pots themselves, and they have they have large exterior lights, you know, that are on all night long, yeah. and yeah. so it's just not possible to get any good images there. So. I know it's almost like you've got to like um, figure out like who to contact. Like, could you just turn your lights off for a couple hours yeah, this night or something to... like that? And and uh, I bet if you could find the right person, they probably would be fine with doing that. But it's like, how do you find that person? Yeah, to get it's almost like to... finding who owns the private property next to the BLM land you want to go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get and like the how do you contact? Location. How do you find out who owns this land? It's like it's so crazy hard to to do that, and that's one of the challenges that we find. I think a lot of photographers come up against that is like if you want to ask permission, how do you possibly find out? Yeah, yeah, whose who land to talk it is? to? I mean, there's there's those um, there's a geyser in Nevada that I've looked at going to quite a few times. It's it's been photographed quite a few times. Very colorful. Geyser. As a matter of fact, if you go to the galleries in Vegas, I think Peter Lick okay. has an image of okay. this uh, geyser. And I had planned a trip to go there and come to find out it too is on private property and the guy's very sensitive. Oh. The owner is very sensitive about who visits. And so, you know, I don't know how to get in contact with, it's just one of those locations where yeah. you, you almost, you, you can't go there Yeah. because you don't want, there's no real easy way to get in touch with the owner. And I'm sure he's bothered with who knows how many requests. Right. Uh, but at right. least it is protected. You know, at least it is being protected by, it is on private property. So that is kind of a benefit. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be ruined or sold. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe sold, but. Well, and another thing is we have here in Utah is a lot of Indian reservations. And a lot of those lands are, uh, like you say, like Lower Antelope Canyon, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to, you've got to actually pay the guide and they have a whole, they've commercialized it now. But I mean, back like 20 years ago, you could just go walk in there. 
you know? Yeah. You can maybe, maybe stop by the tribal offices. You'd be like, hey, I want to go check out the canyon. Be like, okay, as long as you know you're there, you're not going to kill yourself. You know, don't kill yourself and we're, we're good, you know? And now it's just like, hey, you know, now you pay more if you have a tripod. You pay less if yeah. you don't have a tripod. It's all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, is that becoming more of a challenge? It's like, it's a beautiful area and I want to go, but I don't want to like, I want to like, you know, not be so commercialized and like, indulge in that side of it because yeah you want to experience nature when you're there right that's part of the thing is like i don't know it's it's an interesting argument i've never really been on either side but i think um you do want other people to enjoy these places you want them to be able to go and enjoy and see these places just like everyone else but to a certain extent i don't think anyone should feel obligated to share the locations sure and i've actually found it quite quite enjoyable when someone hi- like that location in death valley as frustrating as it was for me to try and find it when i mm. finally found it after two years it meant so much more right. and it was just so right. much more fun yeah and it feels so much more remote now it's like finding just the knowing, treasure right? yeah, yeah that it, yeah. it took me two years to find this place it yeah. just makes it feel more unique yeah yeah and uh when i've noticed when a place doesn't have a name or when people don't really know exactly where it's at they, they tend to value it more like i'll have people comment sure, on my photos sure. or ask me where something's at and if I tell them it's in a national park, you know, I say, oh, this is in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just Death Valley. But if I say this is in some desert in California, mm-hmm. it makes it feel more prestigious and unique. And it kind of adds to the mystery and yeah, maybe the, yeah. the natural beauty that is in that location. So Yeah, it does. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to look for, too. I mean, I don't like – there are, like, those bucket list items. Like, you see a picture of someone that's done a thousand oh, yeah. times. You're like, oh, I love that picture of Yosemite or whatever, like – I got to go and shoot Yosemite, even though it's been done a million times. Yeah. When you go there and you see it in yourself, you're just like, this place is insane. This is amazing. But there's still, even though it's been done a thousand and a million times before, you can still put you your unique enjoy, perspective yeah. on it. You can still get a different angle or try something, you know, new or at least unique or at least just your version of it. You know what I mean? Because not every photographer is the same. Not every process is the same. So, you know. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I know a lot of people are... Uh... I've I've had people message me concerned about, you know, comp stomping, compositionally mm. recreating one of my images. Mm-hmm. I I don't care. I mean, I actually would love for it'd be an honor if other people are recreating my images because they're never the same. Right. No image is ever the right. same. The weather's and I'm different. guilty of Life's comp stomping. Yeah. I mean, when I was getting into it, I some you of have the to. yeah some of the yeah. best photographers out there. There's a quote I can't remember who it's by, but he's it's some famous writer, and he he rewrites another famous book word for word over and over again and people ask him why it's because he wants to know the feeling of writing a good book mm. and so for a long time i would go out and i'd find you know a good image by another mm-hmm. photographer and i'd try and recreate it as close as possible and it is more of a learning process for me not necessarily yeah, trying yeah. to create you know something new but trying to learn like what techniques they're using to create such amazing images how they're using their camera to tell the story yeah. of that place yeah and uh that actually helped me a lot yeah, and exactly. so when other people go to these places and they they recreate the image, I'm I'm happy for them. If anything, it's mm-hmm. more inspiring. I've yeah. had people go to the same location I've been and create an image ten times or a hundred times better than I ever ever would have thought. And it of. blows you away. You're yeah. like, whoa, like what? And then when I go back, I have a new concept or a new idea right, to work with. Right. And it's it actually helps me. I think. Yeah. To see new yeah. perspectives. And I think it kind of hurts the community when people, and it's, it's funny, funny because we didn't really plan on doing this discussion, but it just kind of fell this way. <laughs> when people like <laughs> take a picture and they like, this location is like, they're precious. It becomes, yeah, yeah, their, it becomes, their, it becomes their little golden ring, you know, and uh, they want to keep it for themselves and not share it. And, you know, I understand like not sharing it with the world on Instagram, telling everybody so uh, 10,000 people go there and litter and 
destroy things, you know, because we have idiots all the time pushing rocks over, pushing yeah, hoodoos over, ruining things, ruining things, uh, kicking, you know, stuff and destroying. And, uh, you know, that's just dumb. Usually it's just dumb teenagers or, you know, half drunk yeah. college kids or whatever, you know. Um, and uh, he, I don't know if he can stop that, really. Yeah, there's people not are going to find these places do. regardless and do stupid things. Um, and, you know, maybe your thousand followers, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Your thousand photographer friends that are following you are not going to be there and interested in, like, sticking a piece of dynamite and blowing up a rock <laughs> that they just shot so now no one else can get it. You know what I mean? It's like that's probably not going to happen. It's probably I, okay to share your images with your other photo friends. They're going to respect the land as much as you do. Yeah, I have I have asked about locations in photography-specific groups before, and I've been, you know, let down politely. You know, I've been politely told, and I don't want to give away this location yeah, because it's sensitive. Yeah. And I understand where they're coming from. I respect that, and I think what they're doing is, is generally good. I, I In the past, though, I have been a little upset about it because... Even even though they were polite and they were mm-hmm. they were just genuinely trying to protect this location from from idiots, which yeah. is that's yeah. going to happen. It just it felt strange because it was to a photography only group. Exactly. It's like photographers are not going to damage this area. Right. So like, and it, that's the kind of that kind of rubs yeah. me the wrong way. That's the kind of rub that I'm not uh, that I don't appreciate. But uh, and like I totally understand yeah. because you know that's I, I understand where they're coming from. Um, as as a matter of fact, I even think now looking back at it, a lot of these locations. The way I found this location in Death Valley, um, anyone who is really, really wants to find it bad enough will find it anyway. I know because you got and, Google yeah. Earth, you've got There's Google Maps, Google Earth, you've got, I mean, you know. The interesting yeah. thing is this place. Even though I'd only, I'd only seen landscape photos of it, thousands, if not millions, of mm-hmm. other people had been there mm-hmm. just recently and taken, you know, they had traveled there and taken a photo on their phone, and it was right. easy for me to find it using just Google Images. Right. So right. I mean, sadly enough, there's not many places left. Anywhere. I mean, especially on the West Coast that have not been seen or photographed in right. some way, whether yeah. by a cell phone or a camera. Right. So just do it differently. You know, it's okay. These these locations will be found. Um, and uh, there's certain reasons why, like, for instance, and I've said this before. I'm sure you guys have already heard this probably a couple times now. The spot by my house is 10 minutes away. You have to park in front of someone's house to get there. And so... That's why I don't share that location. Yeah, you don't because want to... I don't want twenty cars to be parked next to these people's house and disturbing the whole neighborhood. And all of a sudden, you know, these guys are getting ticked off and putting no parking signs yeah. in front of their yard. So, you know, I don't want it to get to that because this is a residential street. You know, I want to honor their home. You know. Yeah. And so, but if I take you, I'll drive one car or maybe two cars. Fine. And uh, and I talk to the guy who owns the house. He's like, Oh yeah, people are always parking here and came. I don't care. You can park here. I'm like, Cool. But I asked his permission first. I'm like, hey, I'm going to park in front of your house for a couple hours. Is that okay? And uh, and says, yeah, people park here and they go off all day and they come back. And yeah, not a problem. People hike here all the time. It's like, great. But honestly, I've only been, I've been there eight times. I've only seen two people the whole entire time I've been. So, um, but it's interesting. Somewhat well-kept secret then. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, it's, and it's easily found on the map. You yeah. know, like you can, it's got a name and everything, but it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those places that's kind of, because it's a residential street, and it doesn't have its own parking lot, stuff like that. It's just not, not frequent yeah, very yeah. often, you know. Not so a lot of people go there. People that live in the neighborhood know about it, you know. And so, um, I just live outside the neighborhood, <laughs> ten minutes away. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, um, we're gonna wrap things up and um, cut things short because I gotta go home and get my kids from school in just a few minutes. But uh, Derek, let's tell the audience about where they can find you. 
and uh, how they can get a hold of you and where they can follow you. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, you can check out my website, Sturman Photo. It's S-T-U-R-M-A-N, photo.com. Okay. And uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I don't really use anything else right okay. now. I'm trying to pick up Twitter, but I just... Your Instagram is uh, at Sturman Photography? It's, uh, it's Derek Sturman Photography, D-E-R. It's really long. Yeah. It's really long and it obnoxious. Long, yeah, One but... long continuous but thing but it's not very hard hard words just as long <laughs> as you spell Sturman correctly yeah D-E-R-E-K S-T-U-R-M-A-N photography is a whole world okay. word on Instagram honestly if you just go to Instagram and search Derek and then type in S-T-U-R you're gonna pop him up he's like he'll, he'll I mean like, hopefully he'll hopefully like the, one of the up. first three I don't like, know any, anyone up. else with the last name Sturman so <laughs> right right so if you type <laughs> that in you guys are good find. you'll find them pretty easily um Derek, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me Now that me we know on, you're close awesome. by and we, and we met you and you can check out our uh, videos and stuff now that he's going to be a new listener to, <laughs> to the podcast yeah. and everything, um, we're, we'll, we'll have to set up a time we can hang out and do some photography together because yeah. you're cool um, and you're close by and, and you've got the passion that we do. And yeah, we just love hanging out with people like that that are like-minded. So Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. It's I'll great be happy to come out with you sometime. Thanks for meeting you and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. And yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah.